What's going on, everybody? Hey, this right here is Offside Hockey Talk. This is episode number 389, closing in on the big 400 with my man right there, Mr. D4, Dylan Fournier, as the co-host on the show. And of course, as always, brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Be sure to check out the Puck Off Lagerdale. It's the big beer for the big game, or right now, the big offseason. Tip of the cap to the Colorado Avalanche, getting it done. And we titled this episode Nazem Kadri's Pipe Bomb because, of course, he had to let it out that everyone who thought he was a playoff liability could kiss his ass. Absolutely awesome. Let's kick her off there. What did you think of the Stanley Cup final? What did you think of the Avs finally getting it done? And then, of course, the laundry list that is the injuries of the Tampa Bay Broken Down Lightning. Well... First of all, I would like to congratulate Colorado. Um, I don't know if I said this on uh, your pod or if I was talking to a buddy about it, but I'm pretty sure I said whoever wins game four was going to win the series. I think it was with us. Yep. I think it was last week. Look what happened. Colorado won it and then went on. It went on. So they played one hell of a one hell of a season. Uh, there's a lot of guys on that roster that deserved to win the cup. Andrew Cogliano comes to mind. Um, it is a little bit sad knowing that the season is over, but you know, uh, it was a very hot, hard fought, uh, series. Um, and, uh, all props to Tampa for running it back a third time, but coming up short. Yeah, no, they definitely did. I mean, you got to tip your cap to the Tampa Bay Lightning as much as you don't like the juggernaut. You know, they always say if you stay too long, you end up becoming the villain instead of the hero. Uh, Tampa was the hero winning the first cup. Uh, the second cup, everybody was like, all right, cool. And then now be there the third time around. Everybody's like, we're done with you. Um, you know, go away. Let somebody else have a crack at that can. Um, you know, and speaking of cracking the can, the Colorado Avalanche did that right on the ice. Right for the team photo, put a big old dent in the Stanley Cup. So the festivities started off the right way. Uh, we know that'll be fixed quick as a jiffy. Um, one thing that I do want to mention, Leaf fans, I mentioned this in our group chat when I was in Toronto, but one of the keepers of the Cups there were telling me that at least, I think it's the next four or five seasons, if they don't win the Cup, they actually will no longer be on the Stanley Cup anymore. So... We have a window that needs to get some things done to keep the Toronto Maple Leafs on Lord Stanley Mug, one of the franchises, you know, of the National Hockey League that started off in the original <laughs> six may not be there. I know, guys, we can make anything about the Toronto Maple Leafs, even the Avs winning the cup. Look at that. Uh, but yeah, tip of the cap to both organizations. Um, lots of changes coming for both teams in the offseason. You look at Andre Falat. Valerina Tushkin, Nazem Kadri, Darcy Kemfer. Who knows who goes where? We shall see. But we'll kick it off there with the champs. Congrats to the Avs and the Avs fans. You let a lot of us jump on that bandwagon. So let's go. So get that out of the way. Congrats. So we got the uh, the show flow going on. going to let you guys know. We're going to go through some topics, obviously, like we always do. But we got two things at the end now. We used to have just one, which was the Boxing Rocks Bearded Blue Warrior. We will still have that segment, but something we're introducing on this show right here is we are going to have a pack for pack battle. And what we will do is clip that down, put it up on the internet and allow you, the viewers to vote 
whether Dylan or myself had the winning pack that week. It keeps everybody all interactive. And who knows, maybe we'll tie in some least rookie cards to some of the responders to this right here. Bada boom, bada bing. But let's kick this off. Did you know that Austin Matthews is only a third liner in Edmonton? He wouldn't crack their top six. This all because Austin Matthews, as you heard in our MVP episode last week, won the Hart and the Ted Lindsay Award. But I got bashed for doing a little dance with Horace on the old TikTok, <laughs> getting excited about the fact that Matthews won them and just dancing around all the hate. But I was quickly reminded that Mr. Austin Matthews couldn't carry the water or the skates that Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid lace up, let alone crack their top six, which I think is absolutely asinine. Oilers fans, I know you're pissed you got swept, but come on. Austin Matthews deserved it. He grew his 200-foot game. He played with a little bit more snarl, scored 50 goals in 50 games, and he was able to crack the 60-goal plateau. What more does the man need to do to gain your recognition? And by the way, he was not that far away from Leon Dreisaitl in points either. So that argument to me is a moot point because Austin Matthews played less games. So to me, you had to pump the brakes there on that one. But what do you think? Do you think Austin Matthews is only a third liner in Edmonton? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Edmonton Oilers fans, if you were given the opportunity to have McDavid and Matthews on your team, you're telling me you wouldn't pair them together? One of the most generational passers to one of the most generational probably goal scorers since Ovi? Or you're saying that just because there's three centermen, well, I know Edmonton has an enormous amount of centermen on their team. So you're saying... Even if Dreisaitl put goes center, he's on the wing. So it would be McDavid and Dreisaitl on a line. Then you have Nugent Hopkins, and then you have Matthews. That doesn't add up to me. So <laughs> even I, he has to be top six because who the heck are your wingers besides just Hyman? Dreisaitl? <laughs> Hyman, Nuge, I guess. I don't know. Um, Hyman, did play, Hyman did play a exceptional role oh 100 percent not knocking hyman but no nope. i'm just shaking my guess, head it's like i guess they'll say evander kane now but i mean technically he's property of san jose so yeah, we learned that right on this show by the way and wasn't it funny that that came out on this show and then all of a sudden it was everywhere it was everywhere it was. so i'm just saying sometimes offside hockey talk might get a little scoopsy co you never know you never know but yeah, I thought that was funny getting chirped about that. I mean, you know what? I know you're salty, you lost, and you got swept by the cup champions. No shame in that. Um, you know, and obviously Mike Smith banged up the all hell, will not be coming back for the uh the Edmonton Oilers. Duncan Keith will be. You guys aren't gonna get free of that cap. But yeah, and uh, you look at this and you say, I don't know what you guys are thinking, man. I put Austin Matthews on the top line. You imagine running a power play unit of Leon Dreisidel, Connor McDavid, and Austin Matthews. Go sprinkle whatever you want for the next two players. Those three guys alone, that's just dirty. Just dirty. But we'll move on from that, Edmonton fans. Have your moment (laughs) gripe. Austin Matthews is not only voted on by the writers, but voted on by his peers, which is Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, by the way. So they also believe in what Austin Matthews is doing. Just putting that out there. 
All right. Speaking of doing somebody dirty, I want to ask you this question because it's one that's been on my mind. Haven't seen it come up pretty much anywhere. But are the Florida Panthers now one of the teams that is known for doing coaches dirty? What happened with Gerard Gallant was pretty greasy. Everybody admits that. That was pretty greasy. Calling him a cab, getting him out of there, kind of bad. But what they did to Brunette after leading the team to the President's Trophy, taking them past the first round for the first time in forever, then allowing all the other teams to kind of fill their coaching vacancies, then bringing in Paul Maurice and relieving Brunette of his head coaching duties, now with really no other opportunity to go anywhere but to go back to the Florida Panthers in a lesser role than head coach. I think that's pretty greasy. I think that's pretty bad. I think if you wanted Paul Maurice, then you let Brunette go right away and allow him to explore all the coaching vacancies that were available, which there were quite a few. There are still a couple, but we all know the names that are on list there and things are getting finalized now. Second and third interviews have been done. Brunette would be behind the eight ball to even get a chance. So I'm wondering, is there a pattern here with the Florida Panthers and the way that they handle things? Because I think ownership there really needs to look in the mirror and start treating people with a little bit more respect. I agree with what producer Clark said in our little chat that I think they're on the downward. And I think this may be one of those moves that put them in that direction. Well, I know uh, P- Mr. Pete the Heat has come up with a couple of videos with this sound, and it's from the Trailer Park Boys. Greasy, greasy, greasy. I don't have the accent. I won't pretend that I do. <laughs> but it, I see it kind of similar as uh, the Vegas situation. It, it seems like they're just running through their head coaches. Now I know that the situation with uh, Joel Quinville was different and he yeah. was, kind of, he was canned, but just because he doesn't have the experience that Paul Maurice does, you're, you're telling me that after he led your team to president's trophy and passed the first round in however many years that you guys haven't got past that, that you're going to can him just because there's a better, better guy on the, uh, uh, on the res or that's open in the open market. Um, I, I don't think Paul Maurice's resume is like high, like by any means, like he hasn't won a Stanley cup. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe he did with the Carolina hurricanes. But wasn't he an assistant? I'm not hundred percent sure. We can go okay. back and look okay. at the records, but, but like, you see what he did with Winnipeg and Winnipeg's a, I would say similar team to them. And uh, like, I guess maybe they're kind of salty that they got swept and maybe brunette was only using the players in one way or using one system in one way. I, I don't know. I see this. I see this kind of like a stab in the back. Um, like I said, it's, it's similar to the Vegas situation where, you know, I guess drug uh, yeah, Gallant has been kind of fished around a couple times and stabbed in the back. So um, maybe wherever he coaches, he get uh, the place stabs people in the back. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I assume you think this is pretty greasy yourself. 
Oh, yeah, no, that's why I bring it up. I think it's just, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I think the organization needs to look in the mirror a little bit and realize when you do people dirty, people start noticing, you know, Gerard Gallant. Now you have this right here with Brunette and basically not allowing him to go anywhere, really, after everything was said and done with all the other teams. And you say, ah, we're going to bring in Maurice. I understand you want the defensive acumen that he brings because you feel your team is very high-powered. Um, but uh, ask Mike Babcock about trying to pound a uh, square peg into a round hole with the <laughs> offensive-based Maple Leafs and yeah. how well that goes when you try to force that down players' throats that don't exactly play that mold unless you're going out and getting new personnel across the board, which I don't think Florida is, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But uh, speaking of coaches, Barry Trotz um, is not going to be coaching the Winnipeg Jets, team that we just talked about for Paul Maurice. Um I look at this one and I say, you know what? It was a match kind of made in heaven. Um, his son, this all say, I'm not going to go too deep on it. From what I've heard, is not doing so hot. He's got something going on. Um, that would have put him closer to home, but also maybe the reason why he's not coaching, uh, to be closer to family and just be able to be there and, uh, you know, basically just just be a dad, just to be around his, his son and, and take care of that situation. Um, it sucks for Winnipeg because it seems like they were really high on the, the situation of him coming in, having everything lined up, you know, the hoopla was going, the smoke was there. Everybody was just waiting to, for the fire to burn a little bit more. Um, but it is not going to happen. Um, I'll ask this one simply at Barry Trotz. What do you think? Does he come back and end up coaching the Winnipeg Jets down the line? Do they go with something like maybe an in-house kind of coach uh, behind the bench, maybe Lowry again, and uh, just let him know that, hey, if Trotz is going to be coming, um, you will be an assistant again and he will be coming in to take over or do they just go in a different direction in your opinion? Uh, first of all, I, I think what Trotz is doing is completely appropriate. Uh, I think if you're not given a hundred percent or your head isn't in it a hundred percent, then uh, I think it's time to back back away and uh, look at things in a different uh, view. And first and foremost, he's a father. So you got to take care of that first. Um, if, if the, if the situation comes up that he wants to coach next year or something like that, yeah, maybe, uh, if Winnipeg's still in a, a sticky situation and they're still, you know, going in that maybe rebuild ish mode, I don't really know where they stand right now. Um, but you know, I don't think Lowry did a terrible job by any means. I think it was kind of just a hiccup year for Winnipeg. They, um, but I could see a lot of moves happening in Winnipeg also. So you don't want somebody that's been there with the team that uh, who already competed in a in a crappy season uh, to coach the team. So um, maybe they just go with you know somebody that's. Not top dog, but uh, somebody that's willing to stay in it for the long run and uh, coach a team that's in a rebuild mode. No, definitely. I, I look at it and say, you know, maybe toss uh, toss Lowry a biscuit, let him run with it and see what happens, especially if you are going to be running a team that is probably not going to be a top caliber team. By the way, things are being said about the squad. Seems like Shifley wants out. Seems like Hellebuck's in rumors. Uh, and then you have this one dropped um, during the intermission. Pierre-Luc Dupois has informed the team that he is going to be testing unrestricted free agency. Uh, that could be a ploy just to get more money out of the Jets. 
but it does look like, um, and we'll call him this now, the problem child that is Pierre Dubois wants to find another team and see what he can get paid elsewhere. How would you feel if you're the Winnipeg Jets and their fans? This guy here was the trade piece for Patrick Laine, the former second overall pick, and, you know, Dubois being the third. Um, how does it shake out for you when a guy says, you know, a year out, by the way, not six months from or anything like that. He's made his intentions clear an off season before that he is going to leave. So if you're the Winnipeg Jets, this is probably your time to get the most value. But how does that make Winnipeg Jets fans feel? And do you think Dubois is in the right here? Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily in the right, but I think I see a pattern and I think that he just wants to be on a winning team. He did similar situation with Columbus. Uh, he was seeing that they were headed in a direction that he didn't want to go in. And he was like, okay, like, can you guys trade me or whatever, or whether it was Tortorella or not that the situation was whatever. But it seems that when the team isn't doing so well, he wants out and he wants nothing to do with them. Then uh, I, I see that he's just, yeah, I, I want to win a Stanley Cup and I want to be on a winning team. So he's not willing to be patient and stick it out. Um, I, I think he's in the wrong. And for Winnipeg Jets fans, I would be sour if this was somebody for, say, uh, naming names, Taveras or something like that, where, you know, he... He wanted out of Long Island because he didn't see the team going in in the right direction. He came to the Leafs and all of a sudden the Leafs aren't doing good or whatever. And he wants out of there too. Like it's, it, I, I think the player's in the wrong and, uh, you know, just because you're not being patient or just because you don't have patience doesn't mean that the situ- or the grass is always greener on the other side, I guess. And clearly in this situation already once it isn't. So uh, maybe he needs to reevaluate uh, his playing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, what do you think? Do you think he is doing Winnipeg dirty or? Oh, I definitely think the coming out a year in advance. I mean, you can say that internally, but to put that public, you know, and I know maybe it calms the fires or maybe stokes the flame. I don't know, but. Yeah, to, to say that publicly, I just think it puts a target on your back for the fan base because yeah. now they're not going to want you there, which is going to force management's hand to probably trade you this offseason yep. because it's just going to be boo birds. And, you know, unless you come out and blow the doors off and lead into a Stanley Cup, you're not going to win any favors there because you've already told those fans you don't want to be there. You're done. You're walking. See you later. Goodbye. Arriba Archie. Don't like it here. You know, so I, I think that really the writing's on the wall, and I, I don't think it's the right way to do it. Um, I, I'm not always a – it's good for us. It's good podcast fodder for anybody who wants to write an article. It's great. But um, for, for fans, it's probably not the greatest feeling in the world, you know, knowing a guy that has great potential to be a great player, not a superstar, but a great player, is now wanting out of your organization. Maybe one, two, or three guys who want out of your organization – really kind of leaves you in a lurch, especially a team like Winnipeg that needs all the help they can get, really. And I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying it's not a preferred destination for a lot of guys. So it really does suck. But you know what? We'll see what happens with Winnipeg and what shakes out. Um, want to get your opinion here. This wasn't in our uh, show run, but 
obviously got released that the uh, Sedin twins and Daniel Alfredson are going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, what do you think of those two getting in? Uh, the Sedin twins, I, I like them. I love watching them play. Um, and, of course, Daniel Alfredson. There was the big movement, you know, get uh, get Alfie to the hall. Um, but, again, these guys are getting in, and a guy like Alex Mogilny is not. So what are your um, thoughts? Um, I s- think I saw this on TikTok. Um, somebody said that I think it's Hendrick had some sort of trophy, heart or something, maybe one season, and Daniel didn't. Uh, I don't think they're far in points. Maybe they are, but um, the only thing on Daniel's resume is really the the gold medal, I think. Um, listen, if if you're in my eyes, if you're electing one in, you kind of have to elect the other. They kind of go hand in hand. They went hand in hand in the draft. You kind of have to send them here together. Um, Daniel Alfredson deserves it by a landslide. Um, it's, it's weird now that like I'm growing up and I'm, I'm seeing all these guys that I watched growing up yeah. <laughs> going to the hall of fame. Yeah. Um, but somebody also like Roberto Luongo, people were saying that he didn't really deserve it either. Like he didn't win a Stanley cup. He didn't win the Fesna. He was like very close, but he didn't. Um, so I, like, I don't know if there needs to be like a certain criteria or something like that here that, you know, you have to have this, this, and this. I would like but, to see a breakdown, you know, maybe just uh this is why he was selected because of, you know, yeah. how great would that video be just to be like, we selected Sedin twins because of A, B, C, and D. You know, these are the things that we looked at the most and you can just have it tabulated and put some sports personality on to say, this is what they decided. This is why, you know, here's Roberto Luongo. This is his resume. This is why we selected him. This is why he's going in. I would be fine with that. At least it would give me peace to know what you're looking at. And as yep. a fan, then you can understand maybe why some guys aren't getting in or it only amplify why a guy you love hasn't gotten in. You're like, he meets beyond this criteria. Why is he not in there? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that would be really good, but it, it really does leave it up to the people that are, are looking at the ballots. And it, it's always just like, so why is he or why is he not in kind of sort of thing? So um, I think it's a great class, uh, you know, that these guys played a long, long year. Uh, oh, yeah. Some of them, some of them 20 years. So uh, props to them on a career. And uh, uh, who was the uh lady i think she's a finnish lady that got elected it looks like she had a great resume as well so uh, category yeah yeah so congrats to uh everybody that's elected oh 100 um so let's switch gears here we're going to talk about the lease for just a couple of moments obviously we are a show that does talk about the toronto maple Leafs. he's drinking out of a toronto maple Leafs water bottle for crying out loud come on now that's how deep we are here um okay we got free agency around the corner. We got the draft coming up. Uh, by the way, tune in for Offsides Draft Show. It will be later this week. Absolutely pumped up for that to go. We'll have the one and only Mark Seidel on. Uh, great to ask him questions about the draft. Can't wait to pick his brain and see what comes of it. Um, I'll ask you quickly, with the draft approaching, do you see the Toronto Maple Leafs 
moving their first pick and getting a couple of more? Or what do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs brain trust might be doing? There's some rumblings they may attach that pick to trying to get themselves a JT Miller or trying to get themselves an impact type of player to be a part of this roster and hopefully attach some things going out to balance the cap. Where are you at with the Leafs going into the draft? We'll talk about free agency in a moment. I mean, someone like JT Miller would be lovely. Um, Isn't he lovely? <laughs> Had to do it. But, Had to do it. But, but at, at, at the 25th pick, it, it's kind of like if you don't move this and help the team, then you're not getting a guy at 25 that's going to impact the team right away. So uh, I think there's more value in it to trade it. Um, I would like to see it now. I mean, our, our draft scouts do a phenomenal job by picking out those gems in the first round, the second round, whatever. So whether or not we, you know, trade it for JT Miller or trade it for those picks, um, I I don't see a situation where, where we're going to fall or hiccup and, and make a mistake. But, uh, I, I would really like to see somebody get traded to the Leafs to fill out that top six because it is it, it is something of a focus that I, I think a lot of people in Leafs land would like to see uh, attacked. Well, they may have a piece that wants to come in just before the, uh, the trade deadline and fill some voids up in the top six, you know, that uh, starts with a K and ends with an I's. So wouldn't it be nice to see him in the lineup? But we'll it never would know. be very nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, no, definitely uh, would love to see it. Obviously, Toronto Maple Leafs have a first, a third, and a seventh, a third being from the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we'll see what shakes down on draft day. We know like Kyle Dubas loves to be a bit of a mover and a shaker. We'll ask Mark Seidel what happens there. That'll be a fun one. He's always bang on, by the way, with the list. Go back and look if you don't believe me. This guy knows what he's talking about. Can't wait to get that episode in the bag and get it up for you guys. But, hey, let's talk about the lease and the free agents because that is very quickly approaching as well, my friend. <laughs> the Leafs. Obviously, everybody's talking about what needs to be done. Tip of the cap for them for getting Timothy Lilligren done and having a defense pairing that could probably carry themselves for the next couple of years at a beautiful total of, what, 2.4, I think it breaks down to. So that's pretty good, or 2.2, whatever it is. It's in that range. 2.2, yeah. So absolutely uh, kudos to Kyle Dubas. Um, I think it spells the Sandman probably going out the door. Lots of people don't want to see that. Uh, but I do think Lilligren getting the chance to play with uh, Giordano really did take a step over Sandine when he got hurt. And that may, hey, you know, that's the thing about developing guys. You can use them as trade bait prospects, whatever you want to call it. Um, so let's go free agency here. I want you to take three names, just three, because there's so many names out there that you think may come to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'll give you my three and we can bicker back and forth if these guys are actually going to be a part of the Maple Leafs lineup. You got to make it realistic, though. You can't just go off the top of the board and say, I want Malkin, Subban, and Giroux. Let's go. Um, <clears throat> first of all, technically, he I know he is Leafs property as of right now, but he is an unrestricted free agent. So I'm going to go off 
and say Jack Campbell. Soup. Um, second of all, I would love to see Nick Paul on the team. Ooh, yeah. That's going to be a, I think it's going to be a pretty pricey one. It could be, but I don't think he really had a significant dominance in the last couple of rounds to really stick out. I know he did score against us, but that's, that's another story. Um, Water under the bridge. Who, who else do the Leafs go and acquire? Uh, is, is James Reimer unrestricted or no? Um, I don't think so. I think he's got one more year. Um, I don't think this guy is either, but, uh, I did get a text after last show and you asked the question who we should try and trade for. Jordan Greenway is another big, big man that I would like to see on the Leafs. He has connection with Mr. Matthews when he played in the, the, uh, the development program um that's another name that sticks out to me i'd have to look at the list actually again so you can go ahead and name yours all right well my first on the uh, toronto maple leafs wish list is a guy that uh, does a lot of what i love if you know anything i say about defensemen i love the guys who lay down in front of shots and will do it time and time again play a little rough not afraid to get bloodied up or whatever needs to be done I want Josh Manson. I want Josh Manson in a Leafs uniform in a bad way. I think he's a guy who really could help this squad. Um, You know, put him in the right situations. Um, If you ship, if 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 you ship out Jake Muzzin, like everybody seems to want to do, which I don't want Jake Muzzin gone. I love Muzz. I'm buzzing for Muzz. But if you ship out Jake Muzzin, you have to have Josh Manson being the replacement for the shot blocking minute munching hitting guy that's on your decor he could be that guy so yeah no i want that um i will second he's not one of my picks but i will second your jack campbell but if you can't go that way gorgiev may be a nice uh, little addition if you can go swing something there and another player that i really would love to see the toronto maple leafs add um i think he's going to get too significant of a payday but it's a burakovsky just a guy that can go and get it done. Another Swiss Army knife kind of guy yep. that'll do anything asked of him. And that's kind of what the Leafs need this offseason. They need, and I said this last year, and you guys know this, I preach this. They need guys that understand what their role is. And that's why Mikheyev is getting out of town. He's going to go play somewhere else. They wanted him to be on that third line as part of the defensive thing. He wants to be a goal scorer. They met probably in the middle where he played up and down the lineup. But guys like David Camp understand that they are the third or fourth line defensive center. Guys like Pierre Ingvall understand their role. So they need guys to come in like a Nick Paul that understands he's not a top six guy. He's a guy in your bottom six that fills out, that plays the right roles, penalty kills, hits, block shots, whatever you need him to do. But that's what the Leafs need. And I think Burakovsky would fit that role, especially if you're shipping out a guy like Alex Kerfoot, now I know Burakovsky's a winger, so I'm not saying center position, but I'm just saying you bring in a guy like that to do those penalty kill, you know, grind it out, whatever, keep the keep the flow going, kind of guys. The Leafs need more of those. So those are my guys right there. Um, my last guy, or 
couple that I I, w- I would keep an eye on. Um, Nikita Zadorov, I like the way he plays. Yeah, have always liked the way he plays. He's played here in London. Um, and then a veteran presence like Ian Cole on the back end would be really nice as well. He's uh, he's somebody that blocks shots and uh, he's a pest, even though he's very short out there. Let me ask you this theory uh, right now: the Toronto Maple Leafs um, have a conundrum and goal. Obviously, they don't know what they're going to do. I'm wondering for you. A lot of people are starting to say maybe the Leafs just bolster the up front and the D. Um, now because of Camper's numbers through the playoffs being a 905 goalie, um, people are saying, hey, maybe just go get a league average guy. Maybe go get a couple league average guys and just stock up up front and stock up on D with the money you have and you know be more dominant that way. Suppress the shots, block the shots, score more goals, usually the way you win the game. Do you subscribe to that notion? I mean, in free agency, who is that though? Like you, who's a who's a I don't know Gorgiev, Lindgren. There's lots of different you know kind of guys, right? Like Casey DeSmith, maybe. Like there's a couple names, but man, it would I think it would really hurt Leafs Land if 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 Campbell doesn't sign. Um, Again, maybe maybe Holby can bring back something of what he was, but then again, like you, I I think you would need to bring somebody, a, a, another goalie, in to split the games with him. So, um, I don't know. I don't know what would work. Uh, let's see. Casey DeSmith actually would work. He did play a great. Uh, he played a great first round, if I'm not mistaken. He uh, he had the, what was it, a five-period, six-period game, but he cramped up against the Rangers. He has a 9-14 save percentage through 26 games and a 279. Um, and it doesn't say his age. Oh, he's around 30, apparently. Um I mean, Kemper probably wants a lot of money, so I wouldn't attack that. And yeah, that's really Yaroslav Halak can't hold on to that. No, that uh, Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, if he if he took a significant pay cut, maybe, but eight hundred K come for Leafs. He's still in the last leg of his career, and he's already had eight amazing amazing uh career so i don't think he really needs to prove anything um yeah i i I don't know we don't have any goalie in the pipeline that stands out to me that can take the reins either so yeah no you listen um i don't know wool looked all right shalgren looked okay yeah Um, but that's only a small sample size right well Got to start somewhere. Yep. You know, you got to start somewhere. Maybe you could bring in a, a veteran guy or maybe you keep better Morazic. No. 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 <laughs> no. We, we will see what happens. But, no, the, I think the Leafs are going to go and I don't know. I don't know what their, their plans are going to be. Obviously, if Campbell ends up being way too much, then you don't go that road. You just don't do it. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, but, you know what, we'll swing into this one here. 
Um, I don't have one beside me right now. I should have had one beside me. Uh, right now, we're going to do the uh, Boxing Rock Brewing Co.'s Bearded Blue Warrior of the Week, Mr. D4 Dylan Bourdier. Who is your Boxing Rock Brewing Co.'s Bearded Blue Warrior? Let me think. I'm going to say... I'm going to go with uh, Nichushkin. Ooh, the chooch. All right, all right. Because uh, you saw how he was walking around with that boot before that uh, game mm-hmm. six. Um, I know it takes a lot out of somebody to even put a skate on for that fact when you have something messed up. Uh, props to him. There are a lot of other guys on either team that were in the Stanley cup final that deserve uh, our award here. Um, but I'll uh, kick it off with him because he had a, a phenomenal final series as well. Who's yours? Well, my boxing rock brewing co is bearded blue warrior. He was a liability, <sighs> but apparently everyone can kiss his ass. <laughs> Nazem Kadri. It has to be Nazem Kadri. And why do I say that? You look at his hand, look at what he went through to get in the lineup. Um, not easy. You talk about Nakushin with his foot and all those things that he's going through. I look at Nazem Kadri and say all the stuff he endured this playoff run from fans, from other fan bases, uh, just across the board, the hate, the vitriol, the viciousness. And he still came out, scored the overtime goal, You know, did everything he needed to do to help his team was still out there battling, um, you know, had the hand injury, came back faster than – it was Matt Sundin broken wrist fast. That's how that was, you know, done. If you uh, remember how fast Matt Sundin came back with that broken wrist to the playoffs for the Maple Leafs back in the day. Yeah, that did happen, guys. They got past the first round. Um, yeah, Nazem Kadri's my bearded blue warrior, man. I love what he brought. I love the fact that he didn't care. This episode is the Nazem Kadri pipe bomb because he dropped it right on national TV. And it was a shot across the bow to everyone who doubted him, everyone who had a something negative to say. And was he a liability at one point? Yeah. Yeah, you were. You got suspended, what, three times out of the playoffs, which does hurt your team because look how valuable you were on the entirety of the run. It just shows what your value is, Naz. But, hey, you have every right to rub it in anyone's face that held that against you. So congrats to you for winning the cup and congrats for winning my bearded blue warrior, my friend. Let's go. (laughs) I will say an honorable mention is Andrew Cogliano in that final game. I saw the way that they manipulated his gloves so that he could put his hand through that thing. They had like (laughs) a metal on metal or whatever it was stacked on that finger that he broke and had surgery on during this series. And he took several shots to the foot, and it looked like he was in a lot of pain during that final game. So props to him, especially on the amount of games that he has played. What's the old saying? No pain, no gain. (laughs) And they gained themselves the most coveted prize in all of pro sports, the Stanley Cup. Well, we promised this one here. This is going to be the new segment it is the upper deck pack battle. I got my cards from our buddies over at HFX Games here in Halifax. A uh, bunch of beauties over there. Of course, I did pay full price for this. They didn't give them to me, 
but got to shout them out. They're awesome. They gave me some cool sleeves for my young guns. So how do you want to do this? I'm going to crack my pack. I'm doing it right now. Okay. Crack you want to crack it together or you crack yours, I crack mine. We'll crack together. We'll go card for card. So it is series one for me from series the gas station. So I, so I don't think it is uh, It is a hobby box. So don't, uh, don't shuffle or anything. We'll just go card for card. Okay. Are we showing the camera? We're showing it to the camera. Okay. I might have to read backwards. Okay. Well, just, just look at it yourself and then flip it okay. up. Okay. Okay. You yeah. go first. Uh, Jakob Silverberg. We'll start off with a little goaltender action, a little Ilya Samsonov. Bam. I go got ahead. Joel Faraby from the Flyers. I got Marco Scandella. Solid, solid defenseman. I've got one of many stalls, Mr. Jordan Stall. I got Mr. Ivan Barbashev. Nice, nice. I've got centerman Chandler Stevenson from the Vegas Golden Knights. I got my insert here. I got my marquee rookie. Tanner Lassitian. I've seen you pull him. Yes, a couple times. <laughs> I have my insert. Young Gun. Bam. Nashville Predators defenseman Jeremy Davies. There you go. I will put my, this in the sleeve. My next card right here is going to be Mr. Eric Carlson. Ooh. Some offensive juggernaut back there. And then I got Niles Hoglander, rookie last year for Vancouver. Rocking a little Sam Gagne. Nice. Could be a leaf. Could be a leaf. I've got Mr. Sebastian Aho. I got Robin Leonard. Oh, you got two goalies. I ain't got no goalie to defend me. And I got Darnell Nurse. And I got Kirby Doc with his twisted up wrist at the World Juniors. So I got All myself right. a whole setup here, man. You do. Like you that. I like that. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, what we'll do now, this will be clipped after this episode. It'll be put up on our socials. You can vote which person had the better pack. It's called Pack Battles. We're starting it off this episode here. It's going to be a fun thing we do. We'll see who wins. Maybe we get a crazy pull. Who knows? But like I said, down the line, we'll probably end up giving away a Leaf rookie card as we get into these things with the best comment, uh, whatever, create a lineup. I don't know. We'll figure something out. But this one right here, we'll put up for the vote. We'll see who wins. And we'll check it out next week on Tuesday to let you know. But hey, this right here has been Offside Hockey Talk, Bradley brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Co.'s Puck Off Lagerdale, because this is where hockey comes to talk. <laughs> <laughs>